I'm a talkative person because I'm an SE dom. It's like my only world is the physical. My words are the only means of me getting out my meaning and intention. We'll see if I eat those words. She'll be entertaining others all the time. This is exactly where I wanted to go with it. <laughs> Do not dare to this bump on a podcast with people can hear me. You guys ready to go? Yeah, keep Hello guys and welcome to another episode of the Literally No Subtext podcast. Today we're doing something a little bit different. It's the first time I've tried this format for an episode. I've for a while been posting up on my YouTube page and Instagram page to head on over to my website where you can ask various questions about typology, specifically questions that are about particular relationships in your life or particular circumstances in your life where you need advice potentially from a type perspective from someone like myself who has an SE dom has been living life with a constant type lens projected onto all of my interactions. So I've picked up a whole bunch of real world, real life examples about how type can reflect or come out in various relationships, whether it be your brother, your sister, your friends, your parents, your co-workers, your romantic relationships, whatever it is. So I advise you guys to pop on over to the website and shoot me a question if you wanted my perspective on a type related question or situation in your life. And I'm going to title these episodes, Dear Chris episodes because they are questions or letters, if you will, directly addressed to me. I'm really excited to do these episodes because I don't have a script whatsoever, whereas for the type trend episodes, I do have a script and it takes a long time to repair for those episodes, but I do, as an ESFP, really like talking off the cuff about stuff that I'm passionate about. So I'm hoping that this turns out well. As such, you're going to be receiving my exact organic immediate thoughts to the questions that I'm going to be reading. I have not reflected deeply on them. I'm just going to be giving my actual opinion on what I'm reading about. And I feel pretty confident in my ability to answer in a way that's going to, if not provide potential solutions or answers to the questions, at least provide people with a different perspective. And what I love about the type community is that even if I don't really know what I'm talking about, or even if I don't have an answer to things, hearing anyone of any type talk for an extended period of time is, in my opinion, valuable to an understanding of type because it's just interesting to hear how someone of another type perceives certain questions or topics. So at the very least, here is 40 to 50 minutes of an ESFP talking about type and attempting to answer a few questions about it. Before we begin, I just wanted to give a quick thank you to all the people who have given me feedback on the episodes that they've listened to so far. That is genuinely really valuable because I do not have a means of receiving feedback through comments on this podcast platform. So I do really appreciate that. And I'm really glad to hear that a lot of you have got value out of the podcast episodes. Some of you have told me you've been listening to them on your runs and you're exercising at the gym or when you're driving, which is awesome. So I hope that I can provide you with some companionship on your drive or your walk today. And if you happen to be at home just listening by yourself, grab a cup of tea or perhaps a G&T and let's jump in. Our first question is from Kennedy. He asks, Dear Kristen, I am an INTP and as a result, I'm horrible at interacting socially with others. So I've been trying to type my friends and family to ease the process of trying to connect with them. However, despite how much I study the cognitive functions, people are too confusing, brackets, nature versus nurture, and people are generally actually complex, etc. close brackets. And I don't know what I should exactly be looking for in a person in order to type them. Help? Well, you've touched on a few interesting things there. An important thing to note is you are right. Nature versus nurture slash 101 other factors mean that people are generally complex. And we have to remember that Myers-Briggs is just one lens through which we can understand people uh, and we can help to 
make sense of how people process things. We can help to make sense of people's tendencies. But remember that it is not prescriptive in that it cannot tell you what to do with those tendencies. For instance, I can know as an ESFP that I have a tendency to make micro decisions with the ebbs and flows of my feelings. That means that I can be quite sporadic, fickle, impulsive. Those are tendencies that I have. Being aware of my natural tendency to prioritize my feelings over rationality means that I can be aware that sometimes I will not be, in fact, most of the time, in fact, all of the time, <laughs> I'm going to subconsciously not be applying a logical framework to my decisions. So I can take a step back and be like, yo, time to think rationally. Put a rational filter on this decision right now. That's what Myers-Briggs can be helpful for, realizing our tendencies and just being aware, self-awareness, right? But I cannot tell you and it cannot tell you what to therefore do with that knowledge because you are the one who is living your life. You are the one with your exact life circumstances. You are the one with your different relationships. I can't tell you exactly what to do. No one can. You're responsible for making prudent decisions based on the knowledge that you have of your tendencies that Myers-Briggs gives you. It is just one tool, however, and you can live a very good life without knowing it. So don't, first of all, don't sweat if you aren't able to type the people around you. There are other ways of understanding the people around you just by paying attention to what they like, how they speak, how they interact with others, where they seem to get their energy, the topics that they like to talk about. Just pay attention to those things and you will eventually get to know who they are, what they like, their likes and dislikes, and uh, what drives them, what motivates them, these kinds of things. You don't need Myers-Briggs to understand those. But for the sake of the topic that we're talking about today, which is Myers-Briggs, and the fact that my channel on this podcast is a Myers-Briggs channel, I will endeavor to answer what I can about your question in terms of looking out for certain things in order to type people. Keeping in mind that I'm an SE DOM, so I'm constantly paying attention to observational, tangible data. So I do have a whole bunch of empirical data on how to assess what cognitive functions people might be using in like a diagnostic way, not like a, again, prescriptive way of like, therefore judging what people should do. It's not about that. It's more about, okay, I can recognize these certain tendencies in people's cognitive functions just based on the patterns that I've picked up on how they present in like an external way. Keep in mind the way that I'm observing people is very different from how you'll be observing people. I'm paying attention to things that you're probably not paying attention to, especially as an INTP with your polar SE. I'm using SE data for like every pattern that I'm building. So keep that in mind, but I will go ahead and say some vague things that I've noticed on how to type people just based on whether they're an F or a T or an S or an N, keeping in mind that this must be taken with a pinch of salt because it's not going to be the case that every F will present in these ways or every T will present in these ways. So I can only give you general advice on how to type people. With those disclaimers out of the way, here are a few things that I've picked up. First of all, the EI difference. If someone's using an extroverted function, first and foremost, their first function will be presenting immediately into the external world somehow. That means that if someone's an E, they're less likely to be reflecting on things before they manifest in the external world somehow. If you're an extroverted perceiver, you are going to be presenting immediately in an exploratory way, whether that's in the N or the S world, extroverted intuition, extroverted and sensing. It's going to be very obvious when someone is gathering first in an extroverted way. In the same way, if someone's an EJ using an extroverted judging function first, they are approaching situations not in a gathering way, but more of like a outcomes-based way. They already subconsciously have ideas of how things should be. So they are going to be extroverting that into the world first and foremost. So any E-type is going to be just less filtered, 
in that extroverted function, less, I guess, sort of reflective. A lot of I types will be quiet, reflecting first because their predominant world is internal before they let that come out. As a result, things might be more meditated, choices might be more meditated, thoughts might be more meditated, as opposed to EJs and EPs who, E's in general, who are presenting in a this is an immediate thing that's happening right now. This is my immediate response. It's coming out immediately. That being said, it's important to note that if someone is self-aware, virtuous, mature, they might have tempered these tendencies of theirs. I know me, for instance, I've become much better at acting impulsively in the moment. I've become much better at reflecting. So I know some people have actually perceived me in my adult life as an introvert. So keep that in mind with a pinch of salt. But generally speaking, your E-types are going to be extroverting first. You can kind of notice these tendencies when a person is in a situation of stress or a situation of having to deal with something that's surprised them in the moment and also in situations where they are very comfortable. The walls will come down and they will be like more themselves. That EI difference is going to really play out in those moments in how they're dealing with those situations. An I type in a situation of stress or a surprising situation that's popped up will reflect first and E-type will probably act first in some capacity. I'm not going to keep saying pinch of salt with these things. I just assume that you guys are using your own discretion and discernment when hearing this advice. But I'm pretty confident in talking about that trend that I've noticed. While we're on the topic of EI, I'll just quickly talk about the PJ difference. Again, it's always more obvious for me to type a personality who is an E-type because their functions are presenting so much more obviously. When you meet an E-type, it's very clear that EP or EJ energy is just, it, it'll present in the first five to 10 minutes, some kind of tell that will let me know, okay, this person is either really obviously collecting and gathering or either really obviously judging. And again, because it's their first function, it comes out much quicker and faster and more obvious. So that's why it's easier to type E-types for me. I-types, it takes a long time like I'm talking multiple sit downs with them multiple observations of them to work out what type they are definitively but I can usually type someone based on an extroverted function pretty quickly again keeping in mind that'll look different when someone's like really mature and has other factors you know whether it be nature nurture manners upbringing life experiences all of these factors play into how someone's presenting but again generally speaking now with your p and your j difference you're gonna want to be paying attention to is this person exploring or are they coming in with a, I already have an idea of how things should be mentality. And that's not going to be obvious necessarily in how they're, they're not going to obviously be saying this is how things should be, but just pay attention and note how they are responding to improvisation, for instance, when things are thrown at them that they weren't expecting. Are they comfortable with chaos and improvisation or does it rattle them and stress them out? If the latter, they're probably a J. If the former, they're probably a P. P's have a very, like there is the stereotype of like the laid back chill persona. There is truth to that. P's are going to appear in most circumstances. We can probably disqualify things like work. Like if a P is a manager of their work, they're going to have to switch it on a bit, right? But in most situations where they're not actively switching on like a managerial role, for instance, if you just look at them in their day-to-day life, how they're living their weekend, how they're approaching conversations, remember a P means that they are predominantly gathering first in an extroverted way. Their extroverted perceiving function is in their first or second slot, right? So they're just going to be more open in a gathering sort of way to the extroverted or external data. 
that means they're just naturally going to be, by virtue of that, more chill in what is thrown at them, what comes on them. They're just going to seem more open-minded. They're just going to seem more, okay, let's roll with it. Okay, I'm happy with this improvisation. Okay, I'm happy with this spontaneity. They're going to be moment-focused as well because they're about the journey, not the outcome. So that is why if they need to improvise or kind of go with the flow or work with the moment, they're going to be more comfortable in doing that. So a P might present, you know, if... If a plan has gone astray, for instance, a P will just, by virtue of their personality, their cognitive tendencies, handle that much better. Well, depending what you're considering better as, I guess. But a P is going to be more relaxed with that situation because they're not approaching situations with like a, well, this is how this needs to work out kind of way. Like they're not thinking in a J way, like this situation should pan out this way or this is how it is going to pan out or this is how it needs to pan out. They're going to be like, Here I am in this situation right now. Let's see what happens. That's why if things change, it's not going to rattle them as much. They'll be able to sort of just in some way to present differently, whether they're an SE or an NE in those first two slots. They're just going to be more comfortable with chaos. You can notice that that can present in 101 different ways, but that's what it boils down to with P's. They're more comfortable with chaos and improvisation. They're not going to be as rattled if things kind of change. Go with the flow. Let's live in the moment. Another tell for this is that P's are likely the ones who are more happy to just kind of like say they've got a meeting tomorrow or they've got like something they need to get done or something. But things change and they're suddenly in a chat with someone that they're really loving. They're the types who are going to be like, yeah, I am not bothered to forget the plan that I had and just sit here and be in the moment with this person. I have effortlessly pulled all-nighters with someone knowing that I have a big day of work tomorrow because, again, I'm so present-focused that I'm like, whatever, I'll make it work. And I trust my ability to make it work because my whole life, in a sense, has been improvisation in the moment. That is what it is to be a P. You're gathering first and perpetually all the time unless you have a particular attachment to something in the area of work or a particular relationship or maybe you have a wound that means you're going to present more pedantic about certain things again 100 different factors on that generally speaking peas are comfortable in the chaos this might present in sense of humor as well i have noticed something that peas tend to have a more chaotic and maybe childlike and like silly sense of humor again that could boil down to the fact that they're so about the moment and the journey that they're happy to just be idiots, be children, laugh at those little things that are going to make their moment better. Because remember, they are moment focused. I am not saying that Jays can't laugh at stupid things or have silly senses of humor. They will in the same way that P's can be also really organized when they need to be, right? But it's we're all capable of using all of the functions. We know that by now. But the point is, where are you spending most of your time? So if you look at a P and they are predominantly trying to find ways to enjoy the moment, They are like most of the time, they are going to likely be peas. And again, because they are all about the moment, that sense of humor is going to be more what's making me laugh right now. What's giving me joy right now. Let me focus entirely on that. Generally speaking, a lot of J's that I know because they're approaching situations in an outcomes focused way subconsciously, they have an idea of how things are going to pan out or should pan out. So they're not paying attention to those little distractions that are going to like make them laugh or like a joke that they're going to stop and now focus on, they're going to be less happy 
to stop and focus entirely on those things. They can, of course, they're capable of doing that. But I mean, predominantly, a J is going to be kind of working towards something. As such, I have noticed that they tend not to be the instigators of humor as much. It is more the P's who are the instigators of humor because again they're just noticing and paying attention to those funny little things that are surprising them that they can laugh at in their day-to-day -day. whereas the j's though they can instigate humor and in fact a lot of ej's that i know are very good at performing and telling stories entj's in particular especially when they're thriving in that tertiary se j's can absolutely be incredibly funny but they're outcomes based or visions based or get out of my way i need to make this happen or reach this goal for the day or whatever it is attitude to life means that they're just not paying attention to those minute distractions that might be an opportunity for humor as perceived by an EP. I hope that makes sense. At this point, I've spoken for what, 20 minutes on the one question and I've only talked about E, I, J and P. Classic. I really want to make it clear that I'm not saying that EJs or IJs aren't funny or can't be funny. I know some EJs and IJs who are very funny, but the humor is very different. P humor is just more chaotic. If we were to sum up everything that I'm trying to say here, the P comes down to chaos, the J comes down to outcomes. So with your P and your J, pay attention, keeping in mind we're not looking for behaviors. That's why I'm not giving you exact behaviors. I'm giving you ways to tell how someone is using a particular cognitive tendency. Are they naturally comfortable with chaos and improvisation? 90% of the time, most of the time, or are they less comfortable? And again, your J's can appear comfortable sometimes, but it's not going to be their main mode. They won't be as comfortable with a disruption to the way in which they've judged something is going to go. With your N slash S difference, so paying attention to whether they are an intuitor or a sensor, I'm not going to talk again very much about behavior, but I'm going to talk about what they're subconsciously paying attention to, because again, that's what you're looking for with cognitive tendencies. The most obvious thing I've noticed when trying to type whether someone is an N or an S, when you are in conversation with them, are they naturally comfortable and happy to pay attention to the topic of discussion? Or are they going to be noticing sense data around them? How this might present is you might be talking to an S Keeping in mind that a sensor is naturally paying attention to sense data first and foremost, a topic of conversation which is in nature, abstract in that you're talking about something most of the time that isn't physically present right there. Of course, you could be literally like picking up and showing someone, hey, this is my dog, obviously then that's sensory. But if we're talking about just conversation, you're not touching anything. You're just looking at a person talking about something. Conversation in its nature is more abstract. The sense data around the conversation is where a sensor is going to naturally be throwing their attention. So you're looking for things like if there is a distraction around you in the sense data, does the person you're speaking to flip their eyes towards that? and focus on that for a period of time. If they are talking and there's a distraction that happens around them, do they then suddenly pay attention to the sensory thing around them? With sensors, you will also notice that their attention cannot be focused on the abstract topic for as long as an intuitor would be. What I mean by that is not that they get distracted and they're like, oh, I'm done with this and they get up and leave, but they will have to ground what you're talking about in some kind of sense data point. They will need sensory examples. When you're talking to them, they will bring it back to the sense data in some tangible way, which an N might not necessarily need to do. And as a sensor, because they are paying attention to and valuing sense data, they are not going to find 
topics of conversations about abstract things that are purely abstract as relevant or important to discuss as an intuitor would. So they're just naturally going to be less interested in purely abstract topics such as metaphysics, alternate dimensions, spiritual realms, things like this. Unless, again, they have an F investment in it or an NI investment in it or whatever it is. I'm talking about like a lower function NI investment. For instance, I can talk about religion for a long time because I have an NI and FI investment in it. But even so, when I talk about religion, I am constantly talking about how it's relevant to my life in a tangible way. And I still will not be able to engage in purely abstract conversations like philosophical topics for as long as someone who is an intuiter would, just because if it doesn't have real world significance for me, it's just not going to be as interesting. It's not going to hold my attention as long as it would for an intuiter. So you're looking for tells for a sensor is, are they bringing the conversation back to sense data in some way? Real world examples, are they looking for real life applicability to the data? Also, if there are distractions around them, something to pay attention to in the sense data, perhaps something yummy, perhaps something to play with, perhaps a distraction, perhaps there's a bird that just flew past. Do they naturally draw their eyes towards that? That is not 100% of the time, of course, as I said. But generally speaking, that is something that I've used for being able to tell whether someone's an S or an N. To further that with SI or SE, as we were talking about before with chaos, versus outcome. SE DOMS, extroverted sensing DOMS being first or second slot in the cognitive function stack, are comfortable with chaos in the sense data. So they're not going to be as bothered if something falls off the table or if something in the corner of their eye disrupts the way that they believe sense data should be organized they're going to be more comfortable with chaos. So for instance, with me, you can be chatting to me about some NI principle that I care about or some FI value of mine. And if I see something in the corner of my eye, maybe someone spilt something on their shirt or maybe something's fallen off the table. I'm not going to care about that as much. I don't mind if that happens. And in fact, multiple times I have spilt something on my shirt when I'm talking to someone and I'll be around some SI user. It's always the SI user who draws attention to that. And I'm like, I don't care. Let's keep talking. Again, you're looking for just those little tells of is this person comfortable in the sense data being chaotic or disruption in the sense data in some capacity? Another way you'll see that with me as an ESFP, potentially ISFPs are probably the same. And I have noticed with this with the ISFPs in my life is if we're talking about something that we value with our FI or that is important to us, a principle that's important to us with our NI, if things are happening around us in the sensory world, we can still focus on the conversation very well. Because again, that comfortability in the chaos of the sense data will present as opposed to introverted senses who naturally being outcome focused do have a subconscious idea of how the sense data should be organized and how tangible reality should be experienced. Again, not in some like controlling way, it's just in a perceiving way. They just are constantly cross-referencing the way that their sense data is organized based on the database that they have in their head of how they've already experienced sense data. It's not because they're trying to be controlling or perfectionistic in how sense data should be experienced. In fact, most of the time, if an SI user notices that I've spilled something on my shirt and they're like, you've spilt and I'm like, I don't care, they'll just leave it because they're like, okay, whatever, this person doesn't care. But the point is that they're noticing those things. They're paying attention to those things. They're caring about the disruption in the sense data more so than an SE DOM would or more so than an intuitor would. They are paying attention to that 
more so and valuing it more. It rattles them more when the sense data is disrupted in a certain way. So when you're in a conversation with them, this will play out. So first of all, you're looking for, are they grounding it in tangible examples? Do they need the tangible examples? Are they constantly referencing tangible examples? Are they applying real world significance? If so, they're probably an S. Next, are they paying attention to the sense data first and foremost? I'm pretty happy to say that with sensors versus intuitors, your sensors are going to be the types most of the time who are wandering their eyes more than the intuitors. Your SE DOMs might be wandering their eyes in the sense of, oh, there's an interesting thing that's happening over there. Or, hey, that's grabbed my attention for a second because it's interesting and looks novel or unusual that excites me or hey here's a pizza that's just been put in front of me this is going to be delicious let me eat this or hey what's on the table to explore right now the exploration of the sense data the excitability of the sense data the chaos in the sense data as a first function se as an se dom or auxiliary more so for an se dom that's going to be more important to them in the moment they're naturally going to want to pay attention to that in the moment so that will play out in their conversation doesn't mean they're not listening to you I can easily listen to someone, but also pay attention to the food on the table. In fact, a lot of the time what I'll do if there's a distraction somewhere is I'll pause the conversation and pay attention to that very obviously and say, oh my goodness, sorry, let's pause the conversation. Look at what's happening behind you. Isn't that hilarious? Or I'll be like, okay, my favorite song is playing. Can we pause the conversation so I can sing or dance? But then I'm going to come right back to it. Again, the chaos. Loving the chaos, loving the excitability. What's the next exciting thing that I can play with in the sense data? That's how you can see an SE DOM most of the time. With SI DOMs, they're not going to be distracted by excitability in the sense data more than they are going to be distracted by disruption to the sense data. This could even just be oh, that person is using a really interesting method of opening that bottle cap. Are they aware that that's not the way to open a bottle cap? Surely if I just give them my bottle cap opener, they will be able to see that that's the correct way to open the bottle cap. Or, oh gosh, that person spilled something. Are they going to clean it up? They should clean it up. Or, oh hey, that person's trying to do that task. I know a way to help them. I should help them. Or, oh my goodness, that woman is carrying way too many grocery bags. They are going to fall. I can't watch. This is chaotic. I can't handle it. Whereas if I looked at a person with multiple grocery bags, I'd be like, well, first of all, I wouldn't even notice that there were multiple grocery bags unless someone pointed it out to me or unless I had reason to notice. But if I did notice, I'd probably just be like, ha ha, that's hilarious. Maybe she'll fall over. Ha ha. Or maybe wouldn't it be funny if one of those dropped? Or ha ha, relatable. I've been there. I do that with my grocery bags all the time because I do. I always try and carry more than I can <laughs> handle. So again, Tangible examples, comfortability with chaos and the sense data and paying attention to that foremost if things are happening around them or disruption to the sense data. Is that where their attention is going first? They could likely be a sensor. That doesn't mean that they're going to leave your conversation. It just means that it might be a little eye flick and a slight facial expression. With introverted sensors that I know, it's not sometimes not just an eye flick, it's an eye linger. And I can see in their minds the cogs turning of, oh my goodness, something chaotic is happening over there. I cannot handle this. And it might just be a moment and then they'll turn their attention back to you. So you're not looking for, can this person handle an abstract conversation? You're just paying attention to what they're paying attention to. Now with intuitives, they are naturally paying attention to and preferencing the abstract thing in the conversation because they are paying attention to implications, non-tangible 
invisible realities, ideas. That's where their attention is going most of the time. Therefore, if you are in conversation with an intuitor and for some reason they have decided that they are interested in what you're talking about, which I'm happy to say intuitives in general will latch onto topics of conversation more interestingly and for a longer period of time or just with higher investment because they, again, like to pay attention to abstract realities, abstract ideas and possibilities. And again, we're talking about a conversation that has no tangible element to it, aside from the words coming out of your mouth. So not conversations about a tangible thing like your puppy or the pizza you're eating or your child that you're holding, but more like ideas. And intuitive conversations will probably be more about ideas, by the way. Say you're both talking about, I don't know, your children. Say you're a couple of parents chatting about your children. Senses might talk about actual experiences that have happened with their children, ways they've managed the situations, funny things that have happened with the situations, which intuitives are happy to talk about too. Don't get me wrong there. But with senses, you'll probably sort of stop there or maybe talk about something interesting that you've noticed the idea of motherhood what's hard about motherhood or fatherhood but just kind of like stop it there keep it sort of grounded in what has happened what experiences have taken place what I have learned from those experiences these kinds of conversations are very sensor intuitives might take a sense data point like an experience they had with their child and use that to branch off into some idea about the concept of parenthood or childhood or ideas that have been provoked about personhood or community or connection that have been inspired by a sensory experience with the child or being a parent. Like I learned this really interesting thing about children the other day or about what it means to be a human by observing my child the other day or isn't it interesting this concept about parenthood that has been thrust onto us by societal expectations. Let's use this as a branching point to spring into some dialogue about something abstract. <laughs> so there's that. Topics of conversation in general can be a tell for whether someone is a sensor or an intuitor or how they're talking about that topic. Actually, not so much the topic, but how they are relating to the topic. Are they using mostly tangible experience, sense data points, or not? Because intuitors, remember, need very few sense data points to talk about such things, whereas senses are going to need a lot of sense data points to even be able to engage with an abstract idea for a long period of time. So there's that, the topics of conversation. But another thing is when they are in the conversation, as opposed to senses who will get, as I said, distracted by the things around them, in the ways that I described before, intuitors are just less likely to get distracted by sensory happenings around them. That's not to say they're not going to get overly stimulated by sense data. In fact, they're probably likely to, especially if their sensory function is like their last function. But if you're talking to an intuitor about like... I was talking to one of my intuitive friends, he's an INTJ the other day, about a concept and someone next to him spilled a beer and the beer puddle literally went right next to his arm and he did not bat an eyelid because he was so interested in the topic we were talking about. He held his focus on me. He did not even dart his eyes downward. I naturally noticed that immediately. I then drew his attention to it. He briefly looked at it and then resumed the conversation because again, that's what was important to him. That was the value to him. That's what he wanted to pay attention to. He wasn't valuing the spillage of the beer over the topic of conversation. I'm quite happy to say that a sensor's attention would necessarily go to the beer, even if it's just for a microsecond. And these are the kinds of things that you can pick up in conversations with people. Where are they throwing their attention? And is it in a comfortable with chaos way? Or is it in a 
uncomfortable with the disruption of sense data or ideas kind of way. Just to go a step further and differentiate an N-I-N-E tell that I've noticed in those moments, and I tried to articulate this in a skit that I did recently of that was called N-E versus N-I or N-I versus N-E, can't remember. In the same way that S-I users are going to be uncomfortable with the disruption of the sense data and S-E users are going to be comfortable with the chaos of sense data, NI users are going to be less comfortable with the disruption of an abstract concept or idea or topic of conversation than any users who will be happy with the chaos in that area. That's why NE users are well known for being quite scattered in how they talk about ideas as opposed to NIs who like to chisel down a topic and get to a golden nugget and really finesse it and really get to the why. Therefore, they're going to be less comfortable with the disruption in that. They're going to want to unpin the pins that they've pinned in conversations as opposed to NEs who are very happy to like move on to the next thing and won't necessarily remember the pins that they've pinned. They'll see everything as connected, everything as part of the one topic potentially. I don't know. But yeah, in terms of observable data, in how that presents is your NI users are going to seem more frustrated or bothered by the fact that a certain topic of conversation has been disrupted, whether it be for a sense data disruption or the disruption of, hey, let's talk about another topic. Okay, we have spoken for 45 minutes at this point about just this question and three of the letters. So I'll just dive into the final pair of letters and then I'll probably wrap up the podcast episode having only answered one question. Classic me. So as you can see, the way that I've talked about typing people in an observational way thus far is not based on behavioral tendencies necessarily because behavior is going to look extremely different across types but more so where are they throwing their attention what are they noticing the same principle applies to the ft difference feeling versus thinking are they paying attention to emotions be it their own or those of the group Or are they paying attention to the rational or logical framework behind something? I'll say it again. All types can pay attention to all things. Even every FI user can choose to pay attention to the group feelings before they pay attention to their own in terms of how that's coming out to the world. So an FI user can absolutely present with FEQs paying attention to harmony and how people are feeling and what works for the group. Again, someone could have been really good at nurturing that behavior in themselves, but it's about what's happening internally in that moment. Let's keep in mind. An FI user, whether they notice it or not, will be paying attention to their own personal emotional response that is subjective and detached from the tribe. They'll notice it first before they notice anything else. In fact, if they've chosen to nurture quote unquote FE behavioral tendencies, it's likely because of an FI conviction or value that they have that they are doing so. For instance, me, I love people. I love charity. I love the idea of selflessness. I love to prioritize others over myself. That comes from an inherent Christian conviction that I have, which I have decided with my own tools and my own life experience and my own personal emotions is important to me because it's important to me I bring it out into the world and I care deeply about others, which can present sometimes as a quote unquote FE behavioral tendency. It doesn't change the fact that every little thing that's happening around me elicits a personal emotional response in me that I'm immediately aware of. And that is very clear to me, very obvious, very solidified, no matter what the feelings of the group are around me. That is a very FI thing. So What is a person paying attention to in their decision making, in how they're communicating, in how they are interacting with others and the world? Are they paying attention to emotional cues of people? Are they paying attention to their own feelings in any capacity? Are they paying attention to emotional implications first and foremost? 
Do they want you to emotionally validate them before they get to the logical implications of things or the logical structure or the logical explanation for things? Are they also doing the same to you? Are they emotionally validating you or asking you about your emotions, asking you about your passions, asking you about very personal to you questions? What have you learned about this? Tell me about yourself. Tell me about your soul. Tell me about your relationships. Can you explain to me your relationship with your mother or your father? These are very personal in an emotional way kind of questions. If people are paying attention to these things first and foremost when they are getting to know you, they are likely an F. In a similar way, if they are comfortable and presenting their natural selves around you, therefore those behaviors that they've nurtured as a result of maturing or trying to be more virtuous or whatever it is, are kind of more relaxed and their walls are down? Are they having predominantly emotional discussions with you? Are they placing value on you understanding their profound emotional experience? They are likely an F. I think a big misunderstanding is that F users are going to present emotionally all of the time. Let's keep in mind that T users can absolutely have emotional rampages too, emotional rants, be emotionally triggered. That's a very human thing. Everyone has emotions, but what are they valuing when they're out of that emotional rant, which everyone goes on because everyone is emotional. We all use each of the functions, right? But in their day to day, the way that they're interacting with people, the way they're making their choices, the way that they're living, does it give an indication of they are constantly aware of this subconscious emotional foundation to life that exists in every situation. I, for instance, am perpetually aware of my emotions. I'm perpetually paying attention to the emotions of others. I will notice when people are off. I will notice their facial expressions. I will notice the slightest cue that might tell me that someone I care about is upset about something. If I'm in an argument or disagreement with someone, I'm likely gonna say something at the end of it like, I'm sorry if I made you feel this way. Did you feel this way when I said this? And if I'm talking to a T user, the answer is going to be most of the time, no. What are you talking about? If I'm talking to an F user, they might be like, yeah, I was aware of this emotional thing or thank you so much. That means a lot to me. The language is just going to be more emotional again, just because they're paying attention to those things. F users are also going to be really quite emotionally expressive, especially EFPs. I've noticed that FI don't lie. So yeah, F users in general, in paying attention to those FQs, when you meet them, the kinds of questions they're going to be asking you are different, not because they're consciously choosing to ask you F questions, but again, that kind of stuff just indicates what they're paying attention to. What do they care about in getting to know someone? That tells you what they're preferencing subconsciously. If they're asking you emotional questions, not like, what are you feeling right now, but stuff about who you are, your soul, what defines you as a person. Tell me about your relationships. If they're prioritizing those kinds of questions, they are likely an F user. If they are prioritizing more detached from emotional topics, such as pure concepts without emotional attachment, ideas that have no hue of emotional undertone to them or no emotional attachment, the way that they talk about them is very emotionally removed in their language. The language that they're choosing to use will be more rational and emotional. They are likely a T user. Also, if they don't notice little emotional cues naturally, they are likely a T user. If they're not noticing when someone's upset and need someone to point that out to them, they are likely a T user. Because again, they're not throwing their attention to the emotional implications most of the time. I just realized I'm totally talking with the biggest TE tone. This is just how I talk when I'm passionate about something, guys. I do not mean to imply that this is the be all and end all of Myers-Briggs and this is definitely how it is. Again, just flagging, these are my observations. With your T users, again, then just not going to naturally, I guess, care about emotional issues as much. You know, with your Fs, you can tell that they care very much about like 
they're just more likely to care in like an externally observable way about literally every person they meet in some way. They're trying to make others feel comfortable or feel included or feel understood. That's not going to be a natural priority of T's and you can tell that in the way that they interact with people. They're kind of looking at existence and people from like a functionality lens, especially if they're a TE dom. So that more emotional chat or that more obvious care for others is going to come only when they are emotionally invested in someone over time, which takes a longer time with TE users because they don't spend as much time in the F. Therefore, it takes more energy for them to use the F and to invest in emotional attachments. Whereas for Fs, it's very natural to emotionally attach to people. Very easy because it's our natural mode, right? I know, right? I didn't know there was another way. So again, because they're not paying attention to F topics or emotional cues they're probably also not going to be so bothered by emotional topics of conversation so if you say to someone who's a t like i'm sorry i said this i hope it didn't make you feel this way they're probably going to appreciate you saying that but it's not the fact that you made them feel a type of way necessarily that's going to be the issue generally speaking it's more like oh it showed that you didn't understand my rationale behind this thing that's what bothered me or it showed that you didn't respect me. That's what bothered me about the thing. Or you questioned my integrity. It's not going to be like, you made me feel this way. Therefore, I'm upset at you. Again, just little tells in the language that they use are going to indicate what they're paying attention to. Emotional foundation or rational foundation. This FT difference presents in so many little ways. I mean, the amount of times I've said to like my T friends, like, how are you feeling? I'm sorry, are you feeling down? Like, how can I make you feel better? And they're like, it's not about feeling better like it's not like nothing you can say is gonna make me feel better it's more just like this thing hasn't come to fruition the way that I envisioned it would or like no amount of emotional talk is going to write this thing that's frustrated me because it's probably something that's inherently detached from emotion that has upset me and so my Myers-Briggs journey has certainly been one of coming to understand what T users need in moments when they're upset or need a moment or are frustrated about something because all I want to do is validate the feeling and switch on the emotional talk but it's not necessarily what they need most of the time but for F users it's a vibe and we love it and we can talk for five hours about our feelings <laughs> again because it's very natural to us because we've been paying attention to it for so long and it's what we're paying attention to always really so guys on my timestamp, it has officially reached over an hour <laughs> we just tackled one question today but it was a pretty big one and i hope that this was of some value to you please 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 don't take this as absolute facts definitive things that you can now leave and use as like absolute guides of how someone's going to present, especially in the little more specific examples that I gave. With today's episode, I really want to just make it clear that when typing people, if you're trying to type people by observable behavior that is absolutely 100% going to present in each type, you're going to have a bad time. You're not going to accurately type anyone. You need to start to pay attention to what they are subconsciously paying attention to. And that is in the tiny little micro things of life, not the big decisions. We're all applying all of the functions when we're making big decisions because they're big decisions that are high stakes. It's the more low stakes, little things, little daily pinpricks of life, little distractions that happen in conversations, things that we're interested in conversations, language that we're using in conversations. These are things that indicate what we are paying attention to on a subconscious level. How many times have I said that in this episode? (laughs) 
Anyway, so I really appreciate you guys listening. We just got through the one question. So thank you to Kennedy for submitting the question. I think it was a good one to start. And again, don't be disheartened at your inability to read people or whatever. Remember that Myers-Briggs is just one of the tools that we can use to understand people, but you can live a very good life without using it as well. But I certainly admire and think that it is a noble goal to endeavor to understand others in order to improve your relationships. So good on you to all of you who are listening to this episode because you probably have that goal in mind when doing so. Hope you got something out of it, guys. Please let me know your thoughts in my DMs on Instagram. I really appreciate it. I would also really appreciate it if you liked this episode. If you could flick it on over to a friend of yours and share the podcast in general with someone else. I would also appreciate it if you could give this podcast a rating if you're on a platform that allows ratings. Also, please check out my YouTube channel if you haven't, dear.kristen. If you like the videos, please share them with your friends. I'm pretty proud of the one that I recently released. Thank you to my INTJ plus Patreon tier patrons for helping me write that script. 16 personalities as philosophers had a lot of fun with that one, as you can tell from the multiple wigs. Please feel free to follow me on Instagram as well at dear.kristen, K-R-I-S-T-I-N. If you'd like to see some of my favorite comments or if you'd like to answer my type trend polls, another episode coming soon, I hope. Really appreciate you guys listening. Hope you got something out of it and I will chat to you next time. Bye.